My counselors always said, whenever you go into a situation, whether it's conflict, whatever you're saying, it cannot be to control the other person and what the other person's response, it has to be for you. And that takes a lot of work and it's really difficult. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Rachel Cruz Show podcast. So glad that you're here. Well, this episode, I'm really excited because I'll be interviewing Lisa Turkhurst, who I love so much. And we talk about finding forgiveness during trauma. Her story is so redemptive and so inspirational. I know you're gonna take a lot away from this conversation. It's really good. And then I answer a question from Jacqueline, who sent her question in through the Ask Rachel email, and she's wondering how to afford her rent on a low income. And this is a question I get a lot. Housing, it's a big one, you guys, so we're gonna dive into that. But first, let's talk through some money advice I have for every season of life. So take a listen. You may have heard me say it before, but remember, your money is not just your money. It actually reflects what you value. So it's your value system, it's your goals, it's your dreams, it's your fears, it's all of these things. It's not just the dollars and cents. Like there's so much behind our money. And those things will change, they'll look different depending on where you are in life. And so I decided to narrow down my top three pieces of advice for each stage of life. And I'll say this little asterisk before we get going, that this advice when it comes to money works if you're 15 or you're 65. So some of this advice can overlap depending on where you're at with your money. But in general, I thought it'd be fun to like go through seasons of life to say, remember these things. So let's start with the youngins. All you high schoolers out there, what do you need to do? Well, number one, start saving for college. Talk about college with your parents. Have the conversation. Know if they have any amount that they're able to contribute. If not, be thinking about, okay, how much can I save? Invest in scholarships and grants. Be on the lookout for college. Number two, have your own checking accounts. If you're under the age of 18, your parents are gonna have to go with you and you'll get a student checking account, but that's great. I want you to practice having this account. So having checks, even though you're probably never gonna write a check, but having a debit card, but interacting with the bank is great practice when you're in high school. And number three, save up for that emergency fund. For everyone in life, I say it's a $1,000 starter emergency fund, but for you, 500 bucks. All right, once you graduate from high school, some of you go into college. Oh, the years of college. If you are there and a college student, here's what you need to be doing. Working your way and paying for college. Simple, like number one goal. That's what I want you to do. Make sure to get out of school debt-free as soon as possible. This is so huge. I know this is a big mountain to climb, but it is so worth it. So, Look for jobs if you can, scholarships and grants. In fact, studies show a higher GPA for students who actually work through school. So working is not a bad thing. Number two, don't sign up for credit cards. Yep, I remember my econ professor standing in front of our big lecture hall, and he said, everyone go get a credit card because you want to start building your credit and just buy gas on it, but you want to get a credit card to start building that credit. Listen, that's a lie. You can live life without a credit score. You can rent an apartment. You can even buy a house one day. Mm -hmm. Don't sign up for a credit card. And the third piece of advice is to talk to someone in their 30s about what they wish they had done in college. Mm -hmm. You'll talk to people with a lot of regret. They'll say, oh, if I only had fill in the blank, listen to their advice. All right, all you married couples out there, yep, you put a ring on it, you get married. What do you need to do? Number one, budget together. 
Mm -hmm. Remember, your budget is your income minus all of your expenses equals zero. So have a budget date night. Sit down and list out all of your expenses to say, hey, here is where our money's going. Because remember, money is more than just money. It's your dreams and your fears and your goals, everything we talked about, and being aligned on the same page. And also, that means joining your bank accounts. Mm -hmm. That is a big part of this, you guys. Have a one checking account. It is an amazing thing when you say, okay, no longer is it just my little thing over here and my toys and your toys. We are coming together. It's an amazing thing. All right, number two, get out of debt. So if one of you is bringing debt into the marriage, once you're married, it's your debt together, not his debt or her debt. Together, you are one. So start paying off that debt. It's it's an amazing thing what happens when you go on a journey that you think is absolutely impossible to say we can live life debt-free and you do it together, it's incredible. And then number three, dream together. This is a big part of winning financially as a couple. Look ahead to the future and say, what do we wanna do Like in the next five, 10, 15 years? It's an amazing thing when you say, okay, these are your tendencies and my tendencies, but we're gonna come together as one. And I even created an assessment for this. It's called the Know Yourself Money Assessment, and it's gonna lead you to really a deeper understanding of your spouse and create these money conversations that everyone needs to have. It's a really in-depth survey. So you talk about your experiences, your dreams, your core beliefs when it comes to money, and then each of you will get a 20-page personalized insight packet it's an amazing thing because you're going to get all your results and how they paired up with each other, and you're going to learn so much from this. And even if you're single, yeah, you can take this assessment as well because it's going to show you how you interact with money. So if this sounds interesting to you, make sure to text ASSESSMENT to 33789. All right, next season of life is kids. Yep, once you have kids, number one, create a will you need to get a state-specific will. Make sure you do this when you get kids. It's very important. Number two, com don't compare your lifestyle to other people's lifestyle. You're gonna see people doing stuff, going on vacations, buying this baby gear and that baby gear, and it's gonna be like this whole new world you're entering. Put the blinders on. Do what's best for you and your family. And then number three, start saving for kids' college. Now, you're gonna do this once you're out of debt, have a fully funded emergency fund and investing 15% of your income into retirement. Then you're gonna move on to helping those little babes pay for college. All right, when you're in your 50s and even a little beyond, if you're not here yet, send this video to your parents and be like, hey, check this out. Have you been doing this, mom and dad? You want to, number one, check your retirement accounts. Know how much is in there. Know if you need to contribute more know what's going on. Number two, look into long-term care insurance. This is something that is very, very important. I mean, it's amazing. Even just going into a nursing home can literally take people's entire uh, net worth and just it just leaves because it's so expensive. It's so, so dang expensive. So make sure you get long-term care insurance. And then number three, talk to your grown kids about money. If you haven't done this before, it can be a little awkward at first, but sit down and talk to them about what you have, about your wishes in life and what, what you want the rest of your life to look like, to say, okay, this is what we wanna do with our money and bring your kids along so you're having a conversation and they know what is going on. I'm so excited because one of the people that I look up to the most when it comes to 
work, being a mom, an author, all the things is Lisa Turker. So Lisa, thanks for being here. Absolutely, Rachel. It's always an honor to be with you. Oh, it's so great. I know we're sometimes in person together and now, you know, thanks to the distance, we're able to do this. But I'm just so thankful, yeah, that you took some time out of your day because you have been touching on a subject that I think is so important, everything from forgiveness and redemption. And a lot of my viewers and listeners, they love you. So a lot of them know your story. But for those that don't, can you give us a little bit of background of what you've been through the last couple of years when it comes to forgiveness and redemption? Absolutely. Well, just in my personal life, um, and honestly, in even my background as a child, just experiencing a lot of betrayal, a lot of uncertainty, um, a lot of heartbreak in relationships, and trying to navigate that when I had a lot of resistance toward forgiveness. I've been a Christian a long time, and I know what the Bible says about forgiveness, but sometimes forgiveness can be attached to the most difficult things we've ever walked through. And so I had a lot of resistance around forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness and redemption. I mean, it it is two such important topics. But like you said, forgiveness, it can be so difficult, even though what we know in our mind, but I feel like our emotions and our heart can't catch up to that always. And so where do you think in our world today that we get this idea of forgiveness, this theme of forgiveness, where do we get it wrong? Well, I think there's a couple things. Number one, when we're having a lot of hurt inside, hurt feelings don't often want to cooperate with holy instructions. Hmm. And so when I'm feeling really hurt, the last thing I want to do is give an unfair gift of forgiveness to the person who hurt me. I wrongly thought that in order to forgive, reconciliation had to be not only probable, but it it had to be established, right? And that those two things held hands. I thought that someone needed to be declared right and another person wrong. I thought the other person had to say they were sorry and own what they did and promise to never do it again. And so all of those things weren't working because in an adult world, you don't always get the benefit of someone saying they're sorry, owning what they did, promising to never do it again. And sometimes reconciliation isn't possible or maybe it's not even safe. And so I had to say, what do you do? How do you forgive when the other person has refused to say that they're sorry or own what they did? And so that was really the catalyst to writing this message, forgiving what you can't forget. Yeah, and, and even you just saying it, I mean, it's hard. That That's a hard thing when you're, especially, especially, you know, that relationship, and usually it's an important one in your life. And man, when they don't see the hurt they've caused or they refuse to give you anything, I mean, I, my counselors always said, whenever you go into a situation, whether it's conflict, whatever you're saying, it cannot be to control the other person and what the other person's response. It has to be for you. And that takes a lot of work and it's really difficult. So what encouragement do you have for people that are watching that have been really hurt and that other person doesn't see it and and they've maybe reached out, but man, it's not there. It just feels like it's unsettled. And first of all, I would say your feelings are probably going to be the lasting thing to sign on to this adventure journey and that's okay, Right. So, but here's where I finally got to. I realized if I'm always waiting for the other person to say that they're sorry and own what they did, then I am attaching my ability to heal to choices that I have no say-so over. Mm -hmm. And I'm allowing that other person that hurt me to hijack my ability to move forward and to heal. 
So I had to one day just put a stake in the ground and say, forgiveness is not so much for the other person as much as it is God's provision to help my heart heal. And I have decided today I deserve to stop suffering because of what this other person has done to me. And the only way to sever the source of suffering is through the power of forgiveness. But here's what I'm always really careful to tell people. You don't have to start by just mustering up like, oh, gritting my teeth. I'm going to forgive even though I don't want to, right? Where, Where you have to start is with your pain. And so my counselor taught me, take some three by five cards, write out one thing on each card of how you've been hurt so that you fully acknowledge the pain. And I like to say, do this activity with someone who is safe in your life so that another human can bear witness to what you've walked through Mm. and to help you process this pain. It doesn't have to be the one who hurt you. And so when I did this, my counselor stood there and looked at all the pain that I listed out. And he said to me, Lisa, I believe you. And what happened to you was wrong. And I can't tell you what that did in my heart. It was like this beautiful Hmm. shifting of realizing that it didn't take the person who hurt me. They didn't have to do this. But as long as someone in this world dared to bear witness to my pain, then I felt like I'm not saying with forgiveness that what happened didn't matter or that it didn't hurt me. It did hurt me but I am doing this exercise of forgiveness for me and to be obedient to God. And so then after you start with your pain, you just go card by card by card. And what I say is I'm choosing to forgive this person for this way that they wounded me. And whatever my feelings will not yet allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover it. And then I take a little piece of red felt and I put it on top of that card. Mm. I seal that moment and no one can ever take it away from me. It's so powerful. And I think, man, even doing that, I'm like, it takes a level of vulnerability. And some people don't live at that place. There's almost a level of avoidance when hurt has, you know, been caused to you. And so what would you say to someone that they they know it's there, but man, they, they're scared. They're fearful to dive into that hurt because it's uncomfortable and it's not fun. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's not fun. It can feel unfair. But also, Rachel, here's another thing that I, I discovered is that you know, you can do this forgiveness exercise and then drive down the road and five minutes later, hear a song or somebody send you a text message and it triggers that pain. And then all those feelings of anger come back on top of you and then are like, okay, am I a forgiveness failure? Like I just forgave this person and now I'm angry all over again. Right. So what I help people to see in the book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, is that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. We make the decision to forgive, and it's that marked moment in time we just talked about. But then we also have to walk through the much longer process of forgiveness, where we have to work through the impact that their actions had on us. Every hurt, every wounding is a fact and an impact. There's the fact of what happened and the impact. That Mm. impact is going to take us a long time to heal and process. And we may even have to do some forgiveness work around the ongoing impact that their actions had on us. But to be obedient to God, it's that first decision, forgiving for the facts of what happened. And then God is patient to let us work through the emotion of it all and the impact of it all. So beautiful because it is. I love that you say it's a process because we're such an instant gratification world right now, you know, and it's just like, oh, I just want to make the decision and move on. And you can't. You can't do that with your heart. There is going to be this process. So what do you say to someone that 
the balance of whether it's forgiveness, but then it can go into this enabling situation where they let that person back in and continue to hurt them. Where, do, where does that line draw? What, what's the balance in that, forgiveness and enabling? I tell you, Rachel, you're such a good interviewer because that's what I would want to know right now. <laughs> and um, that's why I wrote a whole section on boundaries because when Jesus taught, you know, forgive 70 times seven, it can feel almost like, does that mean that I'm just supposed to stand there and take it over and over and over? Or these relationships that emotionally exhaust us and sometimes devastate us? And what about the, the woman who's getting abused? Or what about the man who is, you know, in a situation at work where he's being taken advantage of? And so forgiving 70 times seven doesn't mean that we stay right there with that person and allow them to hurt us over and over and over. I believe what Jesus is teaching is there has to be enough emotional and sometimes even physical distance, boundaries, so that if that person doesn't change and they keep acting that way, 70 times seven, you can forgive them each time without getting destroyed in the process because you have appropriate boundaries. And so I do a lot of work in the book to help people know once you've forgiven, that doesn't mean that person has immediate direct access. Forgiveness doesn't instantly mean that you're healed and the relationship is restored. No, you may have to create some boundaries and it's not to shove the other person away. It's to position you to hold yourself together. I've, I've heard you say the 70 times seven. That's why I was like, I hope she talks about this. If not, I'm going to bring it up because I think that is, it's one of the most profound things I've heard. Because sometimes even as, as a believer, when you're reading through scripture, there's things that you see and you're like, man, that just feels so, that feels so wild, you know, and you break it down. You're like, yeah, because it has to be doable. And so that boundary, that space makes complete sense and brings God's word to light in that. You're like, yes, that's it. Like that is what he's saying. And, and it takes a lot of maturity to know okay, I do have to step out, and that may be painful, but it, it is it is so worth that side of protecting so that you're not getting into that enabling part of Absolutely. your life. Absolutely. And think about what Jesus did. When the rich young ruler walked away, Jesus let him walk away. Yes. Jesus didn't go chase him down and beg him and, and negotiate with him. You know, adults informed, children explain. So they had an interaction, and Jesus loved that man, but he did not— force him, manipulate him, try to control him. He let him walk away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to do the same thing. So we've been talking about forgiveness to another person, right, or to us. But what about forgiving ourselves? Some people really struggle with this idea of letting go of past mistakes, what's going on, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And specifically, we talk about money on this show. And there's a lot of that that is attached to money. So what would you say to someone who has a hard time forgiving themselves? Well, it's interesting. I spent over a thousand hours studying forgiveness in the Bible, and it's not because I wanted to be like this really scholarly student. It's because I really had a lot of confusion around forgiveness, and I wanted to understand it. It's a cornerstone of the Christian faith. And as I studied, I never found that the Bible addresses forgiving ourselves. I think that's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. So I think when I say I'm having a hard time forgiving myself, what I really mean is I'm struggling with regret. I'm struggling with guilt. I'm struggling to receive God's forgiveness. And so I think words frame our reality. So I think we have to say, okay, when we say we're, we're, I'm not able to forgive myself, what's really behind that? Is there guilt? 
because there's something ongoing that I need to address and fix? Is there regret that I need to process and realize I can't go back and change it, but I can start today on a new path? Or is it that I really haven't taken time to sit before the Lord like David did in Psalm 51 without blaming or shaming other people? This is how we really know that we're owning and we're ready to receive forgiveness. We do not blame. We do not shame. We just let stand before the Lord and say, I need clean hands and a pure heart. Like I need you to address what I've done. And so maybe some of it is that we haven't taken time to really ask God for forgiveness. And plus, honestly, Rachel, I think good Christian counseling has helped me so much with this. And I'm just a big proponent of it. And, you know, I think that um, the Bible has been an amazing tool for me. It has saved my soul. I think Christian counseling has helped me walk it out. Or fans of counseling around here. I talk a lot about it on my show because it is. I'm like, it, it, it's just so crucial. It is so crucial to dive into those parts of you that, again, I think on a surface level, it's so easy to avoid in our world today. And you can cope over here with spending money and feeling good there with an unhealthy relationship here, but really stopping and saying, okay, I'm going to do the work and go under that foundation of myself. And I think that it is. I think it's so, so important. And so thank you for for that. And I'm so excited about your new devotional, Seeing Beautiful Again. Where can everyone pick this up? Okay, so both Forgiving What You Can't Forget and the new devotional, Seeing Beautiful Again, are available wherever books are sold. And certainly you can come to my ministry website, which is proverbs31.org. And at Proverbs 31, you can find all things you, correct? That's right. Or you can find me on Instagram, too, at Lisa Turkhurst. And my name is spelled weird, but, you know, you can find it L-Y-S-A, and I'll pop up somewhere in your search. It's so great. Well, Lisa, it's always a pleasure. Seriously, the wisdom you bring whenever you enter a room, any conversation we have, whether it's on camera or off camera, I just, I do, I I soak it up because I think that there's, there's so much there. You've lived a lot of life. And yet you have so much wisdom to bring to others. So thanks for sharing your story and everything you've gone through. I so appreciate it. I know people have gotten a ton from it. Thank you so much, Rachel. I get to bring one of you on the show and talk about your situation and answer your questions. So I have Jacqueline on with me. Hey, Jacqueline. Hi. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So glad. And where are you calling from? Uh, Hampton, Virginia. Virginia. Okay. So great. So great. And you are a mom with yes. a little boy. Is that correct? I have a 10-year-old and one on the way. And one on the way. When are you When are you due? Uh, October 7th. Okay. Oh, it's a great, great time to have a baby. That's awesome. Yep. So great. Okay. So what's your question? Um, well, I lost my job in February, and it was a company I was with for three years, and benefits and everything. Um, and my part-time job became my full-time job, yeah. and that decreased my income a little bit. Um, so I'm just, I'm horrible at budgeting, so I'm trying to figure out, um, you know, single mom with mm-hmm. two kids coming up, um, yeah. the best way to make sure my ends meet and I'm not stressing. Yes. Yes. No, that's, that's a great question. And number one, I'm so sorry that you lost your job. What what kind of industry were you in? Healthcare. Healthcare. Okay. So whenever we look at this factor that, you know, money flows two ways, right? It flows in and it flows out. So those are like the only two variables that we can somewhat control. Um, And so looking at your outgo is where I always like to start to say, okay, 
what are your expenses? And so in your situation and anyone watching, especially if it's kind of crunch time, right? If the budget is really tight and you feel like, oh, and you're even making less than you were um, a few months ago, is to focus on what we call the four walls. So this is going to be food, shelter, utilities, and transportation. Now, within those four walls, there are places that you may be able to cut, right? So food is a great example. So when we say make sure you have food— that obviously doesn't mean you're going out to a hundred dollar dinner every night and eating steak, you know, like so like there's an element of okay, let's cut back and maybe shop at a different grocery store to lower that grocery bill. And you know, you can make adjustments, but you still want that to be a priority. Same with your home. Okay. And so what's your what's your home situation right now? Where are you living? An apartment. I'm renting. Okay, you're renting an apartment. And is that is your monthly rent around 25% of your take-home pay? Um, I think when I had my job initially, the main income job, I had my paycheck was always enough to cover my rent. And then the next paychecks were my bills, groceries, whatever. Okay. So I wasn't really having to budget there. But now $200 less a month. Mm. It's kind of. Yeah, it changes the formula a little bit for sure. Yeah. Well, I would look at, you know, just to say, okay, is this the, the apartment I'm in? the area of town that it's in, like all of these factors, making sure that it's not eating up, you know, close to 50% of your income, which some people, that's that's the case with their mortgage or their rent. And it's really hard to live on everything else when 50% of your income, you know, is going to that. So that can be an area that you can look to say, okay, are there other options out there? Even if I have to drive an extra 15 minutes to work, is that gas money going to be worth it to have a cheaper rent? You know, all of that. So kind of factoring that in. And then obviously your utilities and if there's places you can cut back. I think a lot of people, especially during 2020, I feel like we piled on the subscriptions, right? Like Disney Plus and all this. Like we're like, okay, just bring it all because we need entertainment. Um, And are there places, you know, even right now that you can cut back on just even the simple things? I mean, you know, and in your case, like you said, I'm like even 50 bucks a month, um, whether it's cable or again, these subscriptions, anything that you can find extra money in those utilities is going to be huge for sure. And then obviously transportation, making sure your car's good, you have gas for it and all of that. So so those are the things that you want before anything else to make sure that those are covered. And then everything else under that almost is optional. And, and what I would say too is prioritize everything else under those four walls. So think about the things that you do spend money on, whether it's stuff for your son, um, whether it's things for you. I mean, like whatever it is that you spend money on, list those out and then prioritize and say, okay, this month, if I have money beyond those four walls, what what is the first thing I want to make sure that we are able to do in the second, the third? And you just kind of really make that plan. And it's, and it's going to take a while. You know, if you haven't consistently been budgeting, it's going to take about three months. So give yourself okay. some grace because it's going to okay. be hard. But I promise the, the math of it, once you get the facts down on paper and you do that budget and you list everything out, like, to the dollar. I mean, like so dang detailed and specific. There can be this level of relief because I think our emotions can get to us and the fear and everything that you've walked through. I'm like, Jacqueline, like mm-hmm. you're expecting, you lost your job. I mean, all of that, like there's a lot going on in your life right now that I'm sure is can be scary and, and losing sleep at night. I mean, they're like, right, like the stress of it all. So being able to kind of calm those emotions by having those facts in front of you is gonna be one great step and helping you okay. with your journey. Does that feel doable? How does that all how does that all sound to you? I think that sounds really great and doable. Um I think 
I like making lists now. That's a big thing is carrying a planner with appointments and grocery lists and not going extravagant. Like I've never really been extravagant, but I mean, I also have a picky eater. Yes. (laughs) So he's nitpicky on what he eats. And so just, you know, seeing what I can cut back on, what I can finagle with. Yep, absolutely. And then, so that's all kind of that outgo of money, right? The expenses side. And then the income side. And the great thing is, you know that what you have to offer to the marketplace is that you can make more. Like, right? Like, if you find that job that fits perfectly, your talents, your gifts, your passions, all of that, you might be able to bump up that $200 and even exceed that. And so I would be on the lookout. Again, keeping the job you have for sure, because that's consistently bringing in money, which you, you need, we all need. Um, but to be able to look beyond that and say, okay, what else? Where else can I put myself out there? Because to get back into a position that you were before February, like you said, you're you paid more benefits. I mean, there's a lot of that stuff that is creates a life with a little bit less stress. And I would say this too, because of everything we just came out of, I'm like, it may not be your dream job. It may not be in the field that you did work. It may make you feel uncomfortable you know, if you get that position, you're like, oh, I haven't done this. I'm going to have to learn. Like, it's all that change is very uncomfortable. But I would be on the lookout if I were you to find ways to bring in more income. Because not that money solves everything by any means, but there is that math equation, right? Your income minus your expenses. And you want it to equal zero with some saving and giving in there as well. But to be able to do that really well, that income, if that can be brought up at all, um, which I know you're juggling so much, but any, any place you can find that is going to be so helpful. Absolutely. And you're amazing, Jacqueline. I mean, like you, you're doing it. So what's, what's been um, the joy in your life right now on this money journey? What is like one great thing? And then what's one kind of hard thing that you keep getting stuck on? Um, I think the hard thing was losing that comfortable income that I knew was there, but pushing myself and just knowing that it's not forever. You know, it's temporary. It's a stepping stone and just you know, having the motivation to keep going, I yes. think. Yes. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And you sound motivated. I mean, even talking to you before the call, you're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like, you got this, girl. You've got this. And I know it can be so hard and there's going to be good days. There's going to be da- bad days. But on this journey, there's so many moms and single moms watching you right now that you're just giving them such encouragement. So thanks for just being Don't intentional. That's right. Don't <laughs> give up. Yes. So thanks for being intentional, Jacqueline. And and I promise you're going to be able to do this. You really are. You're going to be able to look at your life in 12 months, have that new baby in your arms and say, wow, I did this. Like I stuck to a plan with my money. Your income's going to be up and it's going to be phenomenal. So you're, you're going to be able to do it. I promise. Thank you. I'm excited. So great. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. Thanks for your question. And thank you, Rachel. Absolutely. And everyone out there watching, if you have a question, you can go on any of my social media channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ask the Ask Rachel question, and we will be searching those. And maybe you can be on the show as well. So Jacqueline, thanks again. I hope that answered your question. And again, you guys, housing can be a really tough part of the equation when it comes to our budget, depending on where you live, your income, and all of that. But hopefully you took some of that advice that helps you, all you listening out there. Well, thanks again to Lisa Turkers for being on. It's always a pleasure to have her. She's just absolutely wonderful. And if you guys have not subscribed to this podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if the spirit leads, you can leave a review. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, make sure to take control of your money and create a life you love.